from the new media project at the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery, I'm Josh Young, and this is As Seen From Here. On today's podcast, NAION after cataract extraction. People have sort of implicated intraocular pressure. Now, it could be an increased intraocular pressure right after the cataract surgery. And theoretically, when the intraocular pressure is high, then the perfusion of the optic nerve, the perfusion pressure for the optic nerve head is decreased. First this. The Accreditation Council for Continuing Medical Education requires a financial interest disclosure before any CME activity. Dr. Lamb declares no real or apparent conflicts of interest. As seen from here, the first podcast for physicians, the first podcast to offer CME credit, and the first to offer multinational editions is now co-sponsored by the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery. The ASCRS recognizes the power of this new medium in communication and education of physicians everywhere. This partnership will allow us to bring new content to you and add new voices to our community. From Manhattan to Mumbai, from the Bay Area to Beijing, one conversation as seen from here. Cataract extraction has been implicated as a risk factor for certain ophthalmic pathologies. But what about this scenario? A patient comes to you for cataract extraction in his left eye. He has a history of non-arteritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy in his right eye, and he's concerned about the risk of NAION in his left. What do you tell him? Does cataract surgery place him at greater risk for NAION? Byron Lamb knows the answer to this question. Byron, welcome to a scene from here. How common is non-arteritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy after cataract extraction? It's actually very rare. Um, it's one in 2,000, and that's based on a paper we published um, a few years ago in ophthalmology. And um, in that paper, we we, we did a uh, chart review, and um, it involved... Um, about 5,800 cases, actually, and we only found three. So the um, incidence of non-arteritic AION after cataract surgery is actually pretty rare. When NAION is associated with cataract extraction, how soon after the cataract surgery does it occur? Mm, very good question. Now, traditionally, it's divided into two different types. One type is this... Um, acute type or it's called the immediate type and this immediate type is the uh, one that occurs hours to just a few days after the cataract surgery and then there's another type called the delay type and in delay type it's after days and after weeks um, after the um, I mean weeks to days to weeks perhaps even two months after cataract surgery now, there's a lot of uh, controversy about the delay type because people have sort of argued as well, those are probably just typical um, AION that would have occurred without the cataract surgery. Um, but clearly, I think there's enough evidence now that there's both types. When NAION occurs after cataract extraction, what mechanism do you think is involved? Well, for the acute type, I think people have sort of implicated 
intraocular pressure. Now it could be an increase intraocular pressure right after the cataract surgery where the pressure is high and theoretically when the intraocular pressure is high then the perfusion of the optic nerve, the pressure, the perfusion pressure for the optic nerve head is decreased. So for the acute type I think there's, there's some explanation for that and there's some evidence that shows that. Um, the other thing would be some people implicate a complicated surgery, uh, whether it is a um, violation of the posterior capsule or maybe vitreous loss, and they feel that this will also increase AION after cataract surgery. Now, those are the proposed mechanisms for the acute type. For the delay type, it is absolutely unknown. I mean, people are just not sure of that. Do these NAIONs look different from NAIONs not associated with cataract extraction? And do they occur in different sorts of discs? Mm, yeah, that's a. Yeah, well, I think an AION that occurs after cataract surgery, I, in terms of the characteristic, in terms of the, the uh, type of optic disc edema and type of visual fields, I don't think anybody has critically looked at how those would be different from the spontaneous AIONs. So I don't think there's enough evidence to say they are different. I think they actually, from our clinical impression, is that they look pretty much the same. Um, but um, what we looked at a few years ago, we found that um, patients who had cataract surgery-associated AIONs, they actually have um, less hypertension, and they also their cup-to-disc ratios tend to be larger. So these are not patients with a typical disc-at-risk picture? Um, no, but some of them could be. Can I have you describe the design of your study? Um, sure. So what happened was um, we went into our database, and our database is it's, um, it it's um, pretty much diagnose-based. So we went ahead and um, uh, identified all the AIONs that uh, occurred or that had been treated at Bass and Palmer from January 1st, 1986 to December 31st, 2001. Um, and aside from our typical computer database, we also have a neuro-ophthalmology database that's established since 1995. So we use both databases to capture all the AIONs that occurred um, during that 15, actually a 16-year period. And then we determined the onset of AIONs on the charts, and then we also determined uh, the uh, date of the cataract surgery. Now, there were some patients who were excluded. For example, the dates of the AION is really, really unestablished, or the date of the cataract surgery is not established, and we had to throw those patients out. The other type of patients we have to throw out would be those patients whose cataract um, surgery occurred before the um, AION. Um, that is to say, we really didn't want to include those patients who already had cataract surgery in the fellow eye before they had AION in the primary eye, because those actually that is not the um, question that we were trying to answer. So uh, after we did that and, ex and made some exclusions, we found 325 patients who had AION. 
And then uh, we did analysis into their dates of the AION and the dates of the cataract surgery. So just to clarify, your study examined the occurrence of non-arteritic anterior ischemic optic neuropathy in patients who had previously had a spontaneous NAION in the first eye not associated with cataract surgery. Yes. Because it would be a valid question to ask also, if someone who had an NAION after cataract surgery in the first eye, um, what, what the risks are uh, for that patient to have NAION in the second eye. But that's, that's not a question that you asked in this Well, study. actually, we tried to look at both. But, but, but what turned out to be was that we were able to answer the first question and not the second question. So we were able to answer the first question, like what you were describing, a patient who has a unilateral spontaneous AION. What's their risk of AION in the fellow eye if they were to have cataract surgery? Now, saw the AION unilaterally in the first eye, what we call the primary eye, some, a few of them actually did occur after cataract surgery, but there were only two. So it was impossible then to gain any information from only those two patients. So, so we really can't say once you have a cataract surgery associated AION in one eye, what your risk would be after what your risk would be of AIO in the fellow eye after cataract surgery of the fellow eye. I think that answer is, it's impossible to answer with the data we have. Byron, what were your findings? Um, well, what we went ahead and did was, uh, first of all, we identified 391 patients who were in our database, and then we had to exclude all the patients who didn't have reliable dates and so forth. And then we wind up with 325 patients left. Um, and um, out of those 325 patients, we found that um, 17 patients underwent fellow eye cataract surgery after their AION in the first eye. And out of those 17, 9 or 53% um, did develop AION after the cataract surgery in the fellow eye. Um, and, of course, of the rest of the people, of the 308 patients who did not have fellow eye cataract surgery, 59 or 19% of them also, I mean, they developed fellow eye AION. Again, you know, this is 19% versus 53%. Now, the percentages actually don't really tell the whole story. You, you actually have to take account, well, how much time occurred after the AION in the first eye, how much time occurred after the cataract surgery before the patient developed AION in the, in the fellow eye. So we went ahead and did Kaplan myograph. Um, and when we did that, we found that, for example, for those patients who had AION in one eye and then didn't get cataract surgery in the other eye, the risk of developing AION in the fellow eye without the cataract surgery was about 26% over five years. And this is fairly similar to what has been found by other people. On the other hand, when we look at those patients who had AION in one eye and then had cataract surgery in the fellow eye, out of those 17 patients, um, their rate of developing AION after cataract surgery was actually extremely high. In fact, it was fourfold four times the risk. 
If you look at the 95% confidence uh, interval, this risk we can estimate anywhere from twice the risk to eight times the risk. So basically what it means is that your risk of developing AION in the fellow eye after you have cataract surgery is increased by two to eight times if compared to those people who didn't have the cataract surgery. Did the analysis differ when you adjusted for age or hypertension or diabetes? Um, we were able to um, adjust for age, diabetes, and hypertension. And um, when we went ahead and uh, uh, done that, actually our an- analysis was about the same. So it was not affected by those factors. Byron, let's say that I have a patient coming into my own practice for cataract surgery, and the patient has had an NAION in one eye. What should I do? What What are your recommendations? How should I modify my therapeutic plan? Well, I think in terms of the therapeutic plan is basically understanding that if you have a patient who has AION in one eye and the patient has a has a cataract in the fellow eye, I think you sort of want to realize that if you you go ahead and do cataracts in the fellow eye, the risk of occurrence of AIO in the fellow eye is going to be increased. So I think the clinical implication is that, well, first of all, you really don't want to operate on a cataract that in the fellow eye that is not really visually significant for this particular patient. I mean, you you want to make sure that that if you're thinking about doing cataract surgery in the fellow eye, the patient um, has uh, symptoms from the cataract, and um, also that the uh, cataract is fairly moderate or, or severe. And I think the other important thing is that the patient understand that the risk is increased. Um, I think the patient sort of need to know that in case that happens. Should I be more aggressive with my management of the patient's intraocular pressure in the perioperative period? I mean, I, I, think, I, think, um, I think the recommendation um, for those who had an AI in one eye and then has a cataract and need cataract surgery, I think you want to monitor the pressure. You want to make sure that perioperatively uh, the intraocular pressure is low and you want to maybe check the patient a little bit more often. Um, but I actually think that um, um, it's probably good practice to do that for all patients. So, so I, I think I think many people have sort of already incorporated that aspect into their cataract practice. I would say it does make sense to be a little bit extra careful in terms of recommending when to do the surgery and, and if surgery is decided to watch the pressure and also to. Um, to do the cataract as, um, um, or do the cataract in the least amount of trauma, trauma that you can uh, have. Well, of course, that's something that we always shoot for. From a medical standpoint, is there anything special that you would do for these patients? Mm. Well, I think um, basically in terms of anything you would do medically, uh, if you do decide to do cataract surgery in the fellow eye, um, I think you may want to make sure the patient's pressure is low so you can pre-treat the patient and then maybe also put the patient on a, on a, um, a glaucoma type of medication afterwards. Um, but again, the data for that is uh, definitely not uh, available. It's probably a reasonable thing to do. Byron, I have one last question. 
let's say that I have done cataract surgery on a patient like this who's had a spontaneous NAION in the first eye, and postoperatively he's done well, he's not had an NAION, at what point can I tell him that he's out of the woods? I mean, what's the, the window that we're looking at for this increased risk of NAION? I think um, what we can say about that is that um, two-thirds of the patients um, of the night patient who develop the AION after fellow eye cataract surgery, two-thirds actually had the AION within six months after cataract surgery. So I, what it means is that um, after six months, I think then the risk is decreased. Um, the ones that the AIONs that occurs after the after the six months could have been um, could be cat could be AIONs that are totally unrelated to the cataract surgery. Uh, I think that's possible. Um, so I think after six months, I think it, the uh, likelihood that an AIONs related to to the cataract surgery, I think that relationship um, will be uh, fairly low. Byron Lamb, thank you so much. Sure, sure. Thanks, Josh. Byron Lamb is professor of ophthalmology at the Bascom Palmer Eye Institute at the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine in Miami, Florida. His paper, Risk of Non-Arteritic Anterior Ischemic Optic Neuropathy, NAION, after cataract extraction in the fellow eye of patients with prior unilateral NAION, appears in the May 2007 issue of the British Journal of Ophthalmology. Ask questions of Dr. Lamb or any of our previous guests, or make a comment about any of the topics we've discussed. These interviews are meant to be the start of a conversation in which you participate. Call our listener response lines in the United States dial area code 646-808-0231. In the United Kingdom dial 020-7558-8275 or Skype J Young MD. Those numbers can be found on our website as seenfromhere.com. As Seen From Here is a production of the New Media Project of the NYU School of Medicine and the American Society of Cataract and Refractive Surgery and is edited by Joe Fry. Be a part of the next podcast. I'm Josh Young. 